0: Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Manchester City are the Christmas number one, refereeing standards are at an all-time low, Covid is causing chaos to the fixture schedule, but it's the most wonderful time of the year and we're determined to enjoy ourselves no matter what. I'm Dan Burke, this is a special festive edition of the Premier League Weekend Review podcast and I'm joined today by Lewis Ambrose hello, and Joel Sanderson-Murray. hello. So I have a little announcement to make about the future of the podcast, but I'm going to make you listen all the way through to the end before I get to that. Uh, For now, it's it's pretty much the halfway point of the season, for some clubs anyway, Um, I thought we'd do a little kind of half-season review today. We'll we'll use the league table as our guide, and you know we'll start at the top and, and work our way down to the very bottom. So we'll start with uh, with leaders Manchester City. Obviously, Joel, you're a Liverpool fan. We are we are locked in a title race together. <laughs> City three points clear now. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing a bit of tetchiness in the Liverpool camp. Are you, are you sensing to feel that maybe City have have, have have taken control? They're in the driving seat of this title race.
1: I guess it says a lot about their ability now and over the last couple of seasons that three points at Christmas feels like and an, a lead that you can't get back, But which I think is a bit bit dramatic. I, I did see a lot of Liverpool fans sort of react negatively after the draw against the Tottenham Hotspur, um, which I think in hindsight is actually not a bad result because mm. we could have lost the game. And of course, there were controversial decisions, but at the end of the day, Liverpool could have lost that game, had players out, had you know their captain out, you know, their, their best defender out and, and various of the their first treatment field out and still so managed to get a result. So that's not the end of the world. But I think if you're looking at the picture as a whole, I mean, I, I don't know about you, Dan, but I, I sort of went into the season thinking there's no way this is going to be a 90, 92 point mm. season again where, every, you know, you know you lose one game and that's it, if, if, if even that. I, I thought it'd be a bit more sort of... You know, back and forth, which it seemed like it would be when City dropped points at home to Southampton and, and lost to Crystal Palace, but I think it's it's sort of now come to a stage where it does look like Man City and Liverpool are going to go toe-to-toe toe, 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 and, and maybe it will be another 19-plus season, but it, that, that's if Liverpool can keep up because City at the moment eight wins on the bounce. Look like they could can run away with it. I mean, is that how you feel about that? Yeah.
0: Or? Well, we have, we have a bit of a habit of sort of putting a run together over winter like this in previous title races and then just pulling away and, and going on a really long mm. wrong winning streak. And they're in really good form at the moment, playing really well. I think everyone in in the squad's performing at a high level. City fans are really happy with how things are going, and I think we have every reason to be confident. And especially with with January coming up and Liverpool potentially losing place to the African Cup of Nations, that looks like that could have a big say in the title race and you know I don't I don't know how how you feel about Chelsea at this moment in time but they they feel like they've they've sort of dropped dropped off a little bit they've had obviously injury problems and things like that so it's looking like it could be a two-horse race now I don't know I don't know if Chelsea are gonna are gonna stay in the race but yeah Lewis how do you feel about City this season because uh going into the season there was a bit of anxiety among City fans about the, them not signing a striker but you know that they're here they are second top scorers in the league they're not doing too badly are they?
2: I always thought that was a little bit funny like obviously the transfer window comes around and everyone wants to improve but City won the league with these players last season so presumably they're all still good players and can score you enough goals to win you a league title um you know you saw Gundogan was, was the top scorer in the last season in the Premier League you, yeah. you don't it, it's obviously nice it helps um but you don't have to have a striker who's going to score 20 25 30 goals to win you in the league and and City did it mostly without Gabriel Souza without Sergio Aguero playing too regularly last season, so I didn't think that that was going to be quite the the blow that a lot of people thought. And then when you're adding Jack Grealish as well to what you already had, it's obviously there's enough players there who might all chip in with five, six, seven, eight, up ten goals. Mm. They'll sort of make up for for what's not there having that striker mm. and a team that has become the best defence in the country and not it's not even Close anymore, I don't think. I think the team that is the best defence in it, not necessarily the best defence in the country, but the best at not conceding goals because they just don't concede chances. Yeah. And I think City better than anyone, any other team probably in the world just keep the ball and just kill a football match as soon as as soon as they have the lead or as soon as the other team starts to get a bit of a grip city just won't let them touch the ball for 3 or 4 minutes and it all dies down again the, the in away games the crowd dies down and you just sort of suck the life out of you as an opposition fan so i think when you've got that in combination with with some of the quality players and it's a bit of a weird city side now, maybe without. If you look back a few years, and there was obviously David Silva and Sergio Aguero and, and Kevin De Bruyne at the top of his game. There's not really a star. I mean, Raheem Sterling even is nowhere near as prolific as he was a couple mm. of years ago. It's a bit of a strange team, but it, <laughs> I think maybe it speaks to the quality of the team as well. Like there are there are seven or eight stars on the pitch at once, and. It's not all about Sergio Aguero having a great day, or Yaya Torre back before Guardiola. Now you've got a, you know, you, you turn up, and if one of Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, Gundogan, Sterling, it, only one of them needs to have a really, really good game, and the opposition's in trouble. As long as all the other City players sort of pull their weight, I mean, Rodri's gone on to another level, I think, mm. this season compared to what we've seen from him before. Cancelo's turned into. Easily one of the best players in the whole country. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's very hard because you just don't see a weak link in the team at all. Even if City don't feel like they're going to blow teams away the same way that Liverpool do sometimes, it's all just very steady and reliable.
0: Yeah, if you I mean if you are going to play against City, don't do what Leeds did did last week and just give them the whole midfield basically because <laughs> that's basically suicide if you're going to do that and maybe, maybe play a little bit more like Wolves did the week before when they they really sort of camped on the edge of their own box and made things difficult. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Rodri actually, Lewis because he he's probably the one player probably yeah, I think he's probably City's most important player at the moment. He's the one player that if we lost him to injury for any length of time, even even a couple of games, I'd be really worried. I mean we've we've got Fernandinho as the backup, but he's he's 36. He's he's no spring chicken I think his 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 ability to kind of do the, the the job that Rodri does is waning somewhat I've got a bit of a bone to pick with you Joel because I noticed that you uh you admitted <laughs> Rodri from your Premier League team of the season <laughs> did you
1: not? which is yet to be published by the way but, um, spoiler
0: alert yeah.
1: uh, I, I did it was hard he got in on the first one but then you know like like of all these kind of things you sort of go back and forth and then there's been so many good midfield performances this year, and I, you know, I had to, to admit him, but it's not nothing about his quality. You know, he, he has been phenomenal this season, and it, it's funny that sort of like with Cancelo, his, his sort of first season in the Premier League, he didn't look like he maybe had the ability, well, not the ability, but maybe didn't have it to sort of crack the Premier League. But he's, you know, he's become one of the best, if not the best, number six in in the league, and maybe in Europe, possibly. Um, It's it's really it's incredible to see, but yeah, I I agree. You know, if you know if City do lose him, that's maybe where. You know, Liverpool fans and Chelsea fans will be looking at that and going there's a, there's a chance there but yeah. you could probably just throw Gundogan in there and be absolutely fine
0: Yeah well he tried that in the Champions League final and it went horribly wrong <laughs> yeah, <so. true. laughs> I don't think City fans ever want to see that happen again uh, Let's talk about Liverpool Joel. I want to touch on that that game against Spurs at the weekend <clears throat> uh, very good game marred by some controversial refereeing decision what was your take on that? What did you think of uh, of Jürgen marching on at the end and, and giving Paul Tierney a piece of his mind?
1: I quite like that. I'd like to see more managers (laughs) do that because it's good. Because, you know, I I felt exactly the same uh, watching it in terms of, you know, I really, really wish I could vent some kind of frustration to the referee here. And it's it's good to see the manager do it. And you don't see it too often. um, well, in terms of you know that sort of you know, when the manager loses his head that much, and I did I did like because and and he was he was warranted to do so. I mean, he, he did say a few things that was maybe quite rude personally about Paul Tierney in terms of he's never played the game, which is a fact. But um, you know, it's it's also maybe a little bit rude. But no, I think he was warranted because I think the referee and and, and especially the, the VAR referee, I think, was Chris Kavanagh. Um, they, they had a terrible game. I mean, you know, Harry Kane's foul and Andrew Robson was a red card. And for, for not to have a, I mean, it's fair enough, certainly not seeing where Kane's foot went to to give him a yellow card in the first place and to not give him a red. But for the, you know, for VAR to look at that and not deem it a red, it's just crazy. And then mm-hmm. the penalties, the penalties, one of on them as well, one shot, there, which, which should have been a penalty. And, you know, Amazon Royale takes him out and then. You know, he does exactly the same to Sadio Mane outside the box two minutes late and he gets given a free kick. So it's it's crazy, but I mean, the, the whole game itself, Spurs could been 3-0 up, you know, after 20 minutes and Liverpool could been 3-0 up after 10 minutes. It was just a crazy game. I think the right result was probably got there in the end, but, you know, Spurs could probably feel a little bit aggrieved that he didn't win that, to be fair.
0: Is Klopp a bit of a hypocrite Lewis, though? Because he didn't say uh, anything about Paul Turney after the Liverpool City game earlier in the season. <laughs> I think that was coming. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Is Jurgen Klopp a hypocrite? I think Jurgen Klopp um, says what is helpful to Jurgen Klopp in (laughs) in that moment. I don't. I don't even really have a problem with what he said. But uh, yeah, and like you know, all the heat of the moment stuff and all that sort of thing. And and I think Joel was right about those decisions at the weekend. Um, Yeah. I don't see what Jürgen Klopp was actually trying to achieve by making it a bit personal. Um, yeah, and it's not <laughs> like there's a referee in the country who I'm sure he'll be delighted if they were refereeing Liverpool games. So even if Paul Tierney gets taken off him now, he'll just have somebody else to complain about next mm. week.
0: Does it suggest he's maybe feeling the pressure a little bit, Jürgen, at this point, with, with City sort of... I don't even want to say pulling away because it's only three points, but it, it kind of feels like Liverpool are starting to get a little bit nervous to me.
2: Yeah, I th- it's it's what Jog said at the top. Like this is just the, it's what it's been the last three seasons with for, for City now, mm. um, or four seasons if you if you include the season City ran away with, with hundred points. Like it just takes an enormous tally to to win the the league now because of these two teams um i think you know chelsea and, and whatever points tally they're going to rack up and i don't think chelsea will win the league and they're already i mean you, you say pulling away with three points and, and chelsea are six behind city mm, now yeah. and, and have already played them at stanford bridge and lost so that's a, a game where you know they would be hoping to to take three points directly off city that they can't i don't see how anyone else can, can live with those two. And those two have just set a standard where you're going to get techy any time you drop points mm. because mm. it looks fatal. I mean, it was it, two years ago... Joel won't want us to remind him but the last points Liverpool dropped were, were at Goodison Park in, in was it February or early March yeah, Is it, you March. shouldn't be dropping points in early March and winning every single game there until the end of the season and not winning the league that shouldn't even be possible but that's the bar that these two teams have, have set well for each other now I guess so you're going to get sort of, yeah, a little bit tetchy, I guess, any time you don't win a game and then especially a game where you feel like there's been sort of contentious decisions that have, that have led to the result. And Liverpool had got themselves on a really nice run. They'd, they'd battered a few teams in a row. They'd had that win against Wolves in the last minute with Divock Origi scoring, then a really tight one against Aston Villa. So I think Klopp probably felt like they were on a bit of a run and a couple of possible coronavirus cases have just derailed that a
0: little mm. bit. Yeah, what about those COVID cases, Joel? I mean, I was looking at Liverpool defending against Spurs at the weekend. It it looked a little bit like shades of last season to me, really, where they were kind of getting done (laughs) by balls over the top. Is is that a a lack of Van Dijk or or is there more to it than that?
1: I think it's a lack of Van Dijk, but it's also a lack of Fabinho. um, Because Liverpool play, you know, a very high-risk, high-rewards style in terms of playing a high line and, and, you know, the sort of defence most games anyway. It still sort of starts in the halfway line, especially when we have the ball. And I think the thing is with with Van dyke he, he's he's. He's the best at sort when of, it's in our team anyway. The best that know when to drop it and when to sort of you know know that safety comes first. But he's also got Fabinho sort of controlling the sort of inside the the in, in front of the defense as well. Which mm. you know on, on Sunday against Tottenham, you know they had you know a young lad Tyler Morton playing, who obviously is a different kind number six and is getting thrown in for his first game. And obviously couldn't do that, and it was it was a bit concerning in a way because you know. Joel Matip and uh, Ibu Kanati both looked really good when they come into the side and this season, I think Kanati had a very good game on Sunday but yeah. in terms of the, the shape as a whole it was you know a little bit concerning and you, know, you sort of don't, I think that proves you don't want to lose Van Dijk for as, as many games as you possibly can to be honest but it's um, that was also a lot down to, to Kane and Son, who I think were, were brilliant on Sunday yeah. for their own game. When, when Kane's not sticking his studs in people's ankles, he's a really good footballer, but um, <laughs> which I think was one of them, but but I no, it's, it's, it. it's... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, you don't want to be losing Van Dyke for a lot because I think that does show you know, Luper will be a lot weaker without Van Dyke and for being was there, it? but everyone knew that anyway
2: was it this weekend as well it wasn't just Fabinho but then was it Henderson and Thiago both missing as well He's well, yeah well, Trace midfield
1: yeah that's yeah. it it's you know you've also not got Wayne Alden there anymore as well so the midfield's been under question all season and we finally got to a stage on this run, where it was Thiago, Fabinho and Henderson—the first choice—and it was finally starting to click. I mean, Liverpool have not lost a game without with a uh, Fabinho and Thiago starting in the midfield, and you lose them, and it's it's suddenly shows that you know there's a bit of weakness there. But I guess that could happen to any team. You lose their three of their main players.
0: Yeah, will they buy anyone in January? Do you think Van Alden back? Is there any more <laughs> chat about that?
1: I mean, I I'd love it personally, but I don't see people doing any business in January. Yeah. Like, it just don't don't seem to, to do that quite often. I mean, you have signed Van Van in January, but that's a deal that's kind of done in August. No, I don't see him doing anything. Jan.
0: Fair enough. Uh, moving on to Chelsea, Lewis. What, what do you kind of put their, their recent drop off down to? Is it is it is it down to injuries? Is it down to COVID? Is it down to perhaps a little bit of inexperience of this league for, for Tuckle? Maybe I don't I don't really know what to. I can't really put my finger on what's gone wrong with them really.
2: Yeah, like the the last thing I expected was that they'd start chipping goals because they looked so good defensively they looked so in control of things defensively um for well, ever since took arrived basically mm. not even just the start of this season that was sort of the the bedrock of that champions league run last season as well and, and the strong end of the season and they've just suddenly started letting goals in west ham and leeds put a few past them each uh obviously i think the game against everton was unlucky where they've just battered everton and and ended up letting one in with Everton's only shot or only shot on target in the entire Mm. game and then something similar had happened against Burnley as well last month I think Chelsea just don't score enough goals and you I'm going to contradict myself here now but and we talked about City and City have got those sort of no top main goal scorer but three or four or five players that you look at the team sheet and you think there's probably four or five names there that could all comfortably hit 10 goals a season. Mm. I mean, De Bruyne, Gundogan, Foden, um, uh, Bernardo Silva, Raheem Sterling, Mares. I don't see that quite the same with Chelsea. Havertz has struggled to score much since he's come in last season. Timo Werner's the same. Lukaku's struggled since his injury as well. And then they're sort of relying on the wing-backs and, and defenders from set pieces to get goals. And I just think that's it was never something that was going to continue. I think Tuchel have hoped that by the time those sort of Reese James Rockets stopped flying in and, and Ben Chilwell stopped finding the top corner from ridiculous angles, which was never going to go on for the yeah. whole season, I imagine that he'd hoped by then everything was sort of clicking with Mason Mount and Havertz and, and maybe Pulisic being back and Lukaku obviously leading the line, but it hasn't quite fallen into place for them. So now and there's no time to work on anything. Now you've got all these fixtures coming thick and fast. They've got European football as well. There's just no time to get these players to really get used to playing with each other other than just throwing them in and letting them figure that out on the pitch in competitive matches. So, it's a little bit of a worry for them. I yeah. think I thought Wolves were really good against them the other day as well. I just compared to City and, and Liverpool, I feel like who, who are so they're sort of just further along. And Tuchel obviously only took over about a year ago, less than a year ago. And Guardiola and Klopp have been in their positions for so long now even on a bad day you can see that everything sort of clicking and even if one or two players have a bad day it's not fatal for, for those two clubs for Chelsea I think it is I think everything needs to sort of go quite well for Chelsea to, to make sure they definitely yeah. have a good game and as soon as those It takes more than just one or two players to be missing for Liverpool or City for it to start to fall down a little bit. Chelsea, I think as soon as a couple of players, Jorginho in midfield, I think as soon as Lukaku was out, there was was no one you could rely on for goals. As soon as Mason Mount's not playing, he sort of just, I don't know, oils the machine, if you like any of those individuals are gone and you see a part of the team looks like it doesn't quite work properly anymore
0: yeah I remember looking at them at this, earlier in the season and thinking that they looked so strong you usually get a, a sort of good sense of who, who the, the the title favourites are going to be quite early in the season someone has this kind of awe about them and, and Chelsea seem to have that to me their system looks so strong so kind of impenetrable but yeah like you say you, they lose a few players and then they bring in the likes of Loftus-Cheek um, Trevor Chalibur Ross Barkley you know not not bad players but not like top quality Squad players probably not in the the same level of kind of squad player that City and Liverpool have. Is that is that what it, you put it down to Joel that it's kind of like there's a, there's a big there's a big sort of difference between their their top class players and their their sort of second tier players.
1: Yeah, I think it's a fair point. Um, it, it's it's crazy the amount of money Chelsea have spent for, for them not to have you know I guess it's the same sort of level of quality you come off the bench that Man City do have and. Um, but yeah, it's it's especially a bit of a worry in midfield because obviously you got you know two of the best midfielders in the league in Jorginho you know, and Kante who, who start most weeks if, they, if they're not fit. But then, but after that, there is a, a real significant drop off, which which is which you've seen. You know, Barkley coming in and, and Sowell's not worked. From Atletico, has it? He, he's been taken off at half time mm. twice, which mm. which says it all about that about, about that move. But it's. Yeah, I think that is a bit of a concern, but I think you know. I think Tuchel even said today that he sort of likes working with a a narrower, smaller squad. Um, yeah, in, but a more field of quality than quantity, and and maybe he's not quite got that just yet. And maybe that's you know, does he sort of get rid of a few players in January or the summer, and then you know, bring one or two in and, and go from there? But, but it's yeah, and I think Lewis has made the point there. Spot on when when you talk about sort of. Players come off the bench. Never mind the sort of front three that they have now, maybe not work. And the sort of the impact players that they, they, they should have off the bench. I mean, you know, let's say Pulisic doesn't start and he start mounts, have it, and like car, fronts up front. Pulisic and Werner should be coming off the bench and, and having an effect, and and that's not really worked or happened as as um, as consistently as they would have liked so far, and, and that's a bit of an issue. But I think. At some point, that will work for Chelsea, and uh, it might be a bit too late for them to win the league this year. But I think you know, maybe by March or April, you start to see how the attack is meant to look, which I don't think we've seen on the, you know, under his, his stewardship just yet. But I, yeah, I think later on the season, they might put like six or seven wins together. You start to see what they're pairing and how they're meant to work. But um, I think that'll be too late for them to win the league. Yeah,
0: well, they play Liverpool in early January, don't they? At Stamford Bridge, I believe it is.
1: Yeah, yeah they do. This guy Which, incidentally, Paul Tierney is on the, uh, the AR for that game. Is it's he? Interesting. Yeah. And right. Andy Taylor is the referee. So, um, yeah. So, stressed.
2: <laughs> See, I told you, Dan, it didn't matter what ref you put, they would
0: all moan about what. Hey, you put. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lewis, your beloved Arsenal are in fourth place. They've only actually won one game fewer than Chelsea this season. I mean, it's it's been a bit of an up and down season for Arsenal at times, but would you say it's mostly been ups at this moment in time?
2: Yeah, I'd say it's been a down and up season. Um, yeah. Obviously, the, we're losing the first three games of the mm-hmm. season. I don't think many people would have, would have expected us to be fourth now um, and going into Christmas. And there are obviously teams around us, United and, and Tottenham and West Ham, I think four points behind. But with one game in hand, United and Tottenham have a, a game each extra uh, in hand. Spurs have three. Uh, but points on the board is obviously what, what's important and what you're looking for and not you know to make sure that those teams have as much pressure on them as possible when they do actually come around to play in those games. It's been really, really impressive. It's been a bit of a strange season. It feels like every time that you think Mikel Arteta has probably sort of on his last legs and needs a result or the next couple of games can't go badly or he'll be under huge pressure he just seems to pull a result out of nowhere it was like that this time last year when we were about 16th 17th heading into Christmas and went on a bit of a run it's obviously it never got quite that bad this season but the same sort of thing or similar sort of things happened it's a bit weird because the discourse is around like, well, you can't just discount games against the the top three. Like other teams and we've seen it especially recently with Chelsea at the start of the season with Man City and and Liverpool a little bit in the middle. Like you can't just say, Oh, well, it doesn't matter that we got battered all three of those games, because other teams do take points off Man City, off Liverpool and off Chelsea. You can't just write them off. Mm. At the same time, they do come with that little bit of an asterisk, like If Arsenal finish fourth or seventh isn't going to depend on whether or not they can beat Man City, it's going to depend on whether or not they pick up three points when they do play Southampton and Leeds and Watford and Burnley and, and those teams, the bottom six, seven, eight teams in the table. And that was exactly the problem the last few seasons, probably since Arsene Wenger left. I mean, Arsenal, I think in his final season, even even though we'd missed out on the Champions League and, and it was a poor season, had the the most points, I think, of any Premier League team at home, uh, because even when, you know, he, he was sort of on his way out, we'd still play at home and Palace and Brighton and Everton and Southampton would all turn up and you just knew Arsenal would win. And that sort of disappeared the last few seasons. It feels like that's back again now. I think I think Man City are the only team with more points in home games so far this season. Or I think it might be the, the same number of points the two clubs have got in, in home games so far this season. So that's starting to improve and similar story to last season, I guess, when, when Saka and Smith-Rowe emerged and now you've got Martin Odegaard sort of carrying the team in midfield and Gabriel Martin-Lee has, has exploded a little mm. bit out of nowhere the last few weeks. Suddenly it's all starting to look quite nice. He says... Very, very reluctant.
0: <laughs> where, where are you at with Arteta, now? or where, where is the fan base in general at with Arteta? Is there a lot of patience in the bank for him? Is is, is there a, a acknowledgement that it's a young team and it's kind of moving in the right direction? Maybe you know, next season might be the one where they they really sort of explode and start maybe taking some points off the top three teams, or are people still you know a bit on the fence about him? Uh,
2: I, th- I think there's, I think there's a bit of a, a bit of a divide there. I think mm. there are both sides. Um, and you've got, I mean, and like you say, it's I think by like the, the average lineups this season, I think it's the youngest team in the league by an entire year. Mm. Um, and that's even with, you know, Thomas Partey and, and Granit Xhaka and Abamyang playing most of the games. It is a really, really young side. All the defenders are 23 or 24 and under. And then you've got, you know, those kids that I just mentioned sort of leading the way in the yeah. final third. So it's a really, really young team. I think that there are so many weird caveats that you have to mention with Mikel Arteta, but without saying they're excuses, like they aren't excuses. They they don't account for some of the things, some of the really poor spells that Arsenal have had, some of the things the team haven't been able to do over the last couple of years. He's been there two years now, and the first two months he had fans in the stadium, and then mm. he didn't until the start of this season. And I think that has to... Everybody suffered a little bit, I think, from not having fans in the stadium the team is basically completely different. I mean, if you look back to two years ago now and, and look at the team that Arsenal just played the, the game against Leeds at the weekend, it was the same lineup for the fourth consecutive Premier League game as the first time that the club have had that in over six years. And none of those, only Kieran Tierney, sorry, was was there from the back five when wow. Arteta arrived. Yeah. Granit Xhaka was there in midfield, and that's it. So t- nine players in two years have have come into this. Oh, and uh, Alex Lacazette, so eight players from this team that now seems to be sort of the first choice eleven. Eight of them weren't even there two years ago, um, and then some of them obviously a bit more recently than that signed. So I think you have to take that into account as well. And then you have to look around and just be a bit realistic, yeah, and say that we're, we're further behind, if you want to call it like a project or whatever. Like, it's just behind where Liverpool and Man City and Chelsea are in that project. And Arsenal are competing with West Ham, with Tottenham and with Leicester, for for fourth place, I guess Wolves this season as well, and Arsenal are then just sort of hoping that Man United, as they have had to so far this season, have a bit of an off year, and then the the door opens a little bit to to take a bit of a run at fifth at fourth. That was sort of the hope coming into the season. I don't yeah. think anyone expected fourth coming into the season, so we've got to be quite happy with that. The weird thing between and there are people that like hate Arteta and don't want him to be the manager, but I feel like this is just the internet being the internet and yeah. there are people that you know want to give him loads of time and patience and see how it goes. The, the interesting thing, I think, is when you're in the stadium because it was quite nasty when Arsenal Wenger had his last couple of seasons. As soon as Arsenal not even let a goal in but just had a bad 20 minutes of football, the atmosphere could turn quite nasty, mm-hmm. and that was the case under Unai Emery for, for long spells as well. That hasn't really been the case this season. I don't know if that's because people... Are just happy to be back at football games again, or because they're willing to give Arteta time? But there's none of that pressure from the fan base actually inside the stadium uh, on him, like you know the sort of scenes you saw at Tottenham that that really got Nuno Espirito Santo sacked.
0: Yeah, uh, down in fifth place is West Ham. Joel, have they been the surprise package of the season, or or is it even a surprise that they've they've built on the the success of last season this year? I think, yeah,
1: it's interesting one. Well, I I don't necessarily think it might not be a surprise anymore in terms of the way they've been playing. And, you know, they've sort of produced these kind of results for two seasons, or, well, one and a half seasons now. And and David Moyes and, and, you know, the West Ham players deserve a lot of credit. I mean, in recent weeks, it's kind of, you know, they've hit a bit of a sticky patch. But, um, I think, you know, just, you know, look at the sort of up until now as a whole, they've, they've been absolutely fine and they've, you know, really maneuvered the Europa League campaign well and finished top of their group and, you know, don't have to worry about, you know, playoff rounds getting to the, the last 16 years so they can put their feet up for a few more weeks in February and, and, and it's been great. And to, to do that and also challenge for, well, being with a chance to challenge them for the, top four at this stage is is incredible really because you know they have got a small small squad you know they they haven't got the you know the richest that you know City Liverpool, Chelsea have in terms of being able to complete, you know, throw one on a new 11 and be just as good as the first 11. And they've done well. And, and David Moyes, as you can see, his improved players like Jared Bowen and Mikael Antonio, who you know was a right back at some stage, has <laughs> continued to score goals. And, and and Declan Rice, who you know, to be honest with you, I was not who's better than Rodri
0: according to you, so. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get over
1: that, can you? <laughs> it's it's not been published yet. It's still, a chance to change. Uh, but he's been, he has been great, and uh, the fingers is, ice. I I wasn't having him last season, but and even in the Euros, to be honest with you, and um, I, I can see he's a good player, but I've never really got the whole sort of buzz about him. But I think this year he's developed his game completely, and he, you know, he's sort of someone who can carry a ball forward really well, and and do a defensive job really well as well. And it's it's interesting to see he's become a real complete midfielder and, and it's fair play to him and, and to Moyes, who you uh, definitely deserves the most credit of all.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think he is quality, Declan Rice, actually. I do like him a lot. don't think he's going to be at West Ham for, for much longer, to be honest. I think he'll probably be no. on the move in the summer moment to, to somewhere. Uh, down in sixth are Manchester United. Obviously, they've got Ralph Rangnick as their coach now. He's, he's not had much time to um, make an impression yet. He, he has won his two games in charge, but uh, they've had a couple of COVID... Um, Absent, uh, what, what cancellations? I guess or postponements is a is word I'm looking for there. Uh, Lewis, as as uh, as the the Bundesliga um, watcher among us, you probably know a bit more about Rangnick than most. Do you think they've uh, they've got the right man in, in charge finally there now?
2: Yeah, I think it's that weird Cristiano Ronaldo. Shaped problem mm-hmm. uh, that I don't know how much, especially not twice a week, he'll be able to sort of do what Rangnick wants him to do. I think otherwise it's great. I think Man United have got a really good young team. I think the, the likes of Greenwood and Rashford and Sancho. Bruno Fernandes isn't young, but fits into that style of play perfectly. So... I think it's a really good, I think it's a smart appointment. I think it suits Fred and McTominay as a a midfield pairing as well, taking a bit of the responsibility away from them to actually do stuff with the ball and to sort of use their physical attributes a bit more, which is where they both excel. And I think both of them sort of... In terms of covering ground and getting stuck in, are both really good midfielders. So I think it's a it's the right move for Man United and for the squad that they've got at the moment. Obviously, you know they were linked with Conte as well for a little bit, and I think Rangnick actually makes more sense with the players they have than than Conte would have. Whether or not he can get it all to click, and there's so much politics that comes along with it at Man United. (laughs) You know, can you leave Ronaldo out for a single game without people going into meltdown, Mm -hmm. uh, or, or an important game at least without people going into a bit of a meltdown? Can you convince him to sit out a game, you know, Watford at home, and he he's desperate to play, and Southampton away, but then he wants to play at Man City and at Chelsea the week after as well? So. He's going to, his age is 36, 37, 36 now. He's going to have to pick and choose his games a little bit and and allow Rangnick to pick and choose the games as well. I think if that happens, then they've picked the right man and they've picked somebody who definitely, I mean, the gaps, they've got a game in hand, the gap to fourth is only five points. That should be more than doable for for them, for the talent that they have at at the club. Definitely.
0: Yeah. The other team we've changed our manager of the season is Tottenham. They're just behind United in seventh. Are they looking a lot better to you now, Joel, than, than I mean, than they were under Nuno, but it's it sort of in, in the early stages of Conte's tenure as well. I thought they were pretty good against Liverpool at the weekend.
1: They were really good. I think we saw at the weekend is is how Harry Kane and Son could work as a partnership. Mm. Um which, you know, when he when he first arrived, Conta you know, did a piece about how Spurs might look under him and one of the things sort of sort of mould over so whether he's gonna sort of create that sort of latour Martinez and, and um Ramon Lunzakaku partnership mm. which he had it uh, into last season and obviously different players but in terms of that partnership work in terms of how they come together and how they create chances and, and play off each other it's it's something which I think we saw f- for the first time on Sunday or, or definitely sort of how productive it can be on Sunday anyway and I, I think you know, if you get Kane and Son last year you know the, the about of times they set up each other and scored with each other, it was was incredible, and I think that's that's something that Spurs can cling on to in, in terms of their fight for the you know, top four. That that's something that could get him over the line. It's it's still a bit of a weird one because I think it's been stop start for Conte since he's come in. Um, you know, obviously you've had the, the COVID outbreak, which has you know stopped training for two weeks or playing for two weeks, and you know that's obviously not ideal. And it's he's still trying to get his feet under the table. And I do think that they're a club that might be a little active in in in, a, in the transfer market and. Just January and that'll be interesting to see. And but he's got a squad there already that that's come in and 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 can fit to what he wants. And I, I'm intrigued to see what he does with with Delhi. Really, and that could be a massive sell him because... probably. Yeah, well, <laughs> you see the emphatic report that you know last week they're going they to sell him or loan him in January and then. He, you know he starts on on Sunday, which is probably down to who he had missing and yeah, he, he had to start. But you can see in a way how, how Ali could work for them in terms mm-hmm. of that third man run that he can produce in the box and yeah. the things that Ali was good at when he under Pochettino and he just hasn't you know lost his way a bit in the past couple of years. But I mean, I'm intrigued to see whether you know Conte can, can get something out of him and if he doesn't, I don't think anyone will. But yeah, early signs are good for for Spurs under him and uh, not lost yet and. Yeah, they're one to keep an eye
0: on. Definitely. yeah. I mean, it still seems pretty likely that, that the top three is going to be in some order, City, Liverpool and Chelsea, mm. which leaves Arsenal, West Ham, United and Tottenham to kind of vie for that, that fourth spot. Who would your money be on at this this moment in time, Lewis?
2: Uh, Man United. I think they've just mm. got the best team. Um, I th- yeah, I think it's as simple as that. They've got the best players in the squad. So I'd probably have to say them.
1: For you, Joel? Yeah, that's the United A2, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, the amount of quality they've got in there, at some point that's got to work. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think United or Tottenham, yeah, would be my my picks. I think uh, it's kind of hard to, to know what United are going to look like at the moment because, as I say, Rangnick has only had, had two games in charge and then they've they've, they've been a... Been a out of our consciousness for a little while, it's sort of forgotten what they what they look like as a team, really. But mm-hmm. yeah, having watched Tottenham at the weekend, I thought that I thought they were impressive, and uh, I think it's going to be between those two. Uh, Wolves are eighth in the table. Um, I suppose you can't argue with that, really. Bruno Large's first season in charge, but Lewis, I, I don't know about Wolves. I think they've got some good players, and I don't really like the way they play football. I think it's quite dull to watch, and you know they're, they're often sort of coming out with nil-nil draws or one nils. Is, is, is that good enough? I think if you're Wolves in your 8th
2: then it is. Yeah. Um I, I think they're better to watch than they were under Nuno Espírito Santo. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I I think I'd be willing to sort of see how that develops a little bit more. I I think they've I think there are some good players there. Yeah. Daniel Podence has, has just been really good this season. Whether or not, you know, they can actually push on is the, the next question but that's obviously why why Nuno Espirito Santo lost his job in the first place and we'll see sort of if that process is one that's still happening slowly mm. and and something that Bruno large is managing to piece by piece put together and he's Yeah, he's taken over from someone who was there for a long time, so I don't want to rush into judgment. And I do think they're better than they were, or better, better and better to watch than they were last season. Mm. So uh, even if they're sort of not quite there yet, they're moving in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I don't want to come all Guardiola and start being pious about how teams should play football and how they shouldn't. I just kind of think (laughs) if I was a Wolves fan, I'd, I'd I'd want just a little bit more from them. I think a little bit more I at
1: the start of the season they, they, they started out and, and the first three games they, they battered teams but lost every game and then you know, they, they started a, a bit more play a bit more attacking a bit more on the front force and had the ball more but it didn't work for them necessarily and then suddenly they've gone back to what you sort of saw on the new note I mean I mean it's worked to an extent because they've got you know, the best defence in the league or best defensive record in the league outside the top three but only Norwich have scored um, less goals than them as well so I think that shows
0: exactly where the trouble yeah. is and, yeah.
1: They're just missing Diego Jota that's all it is
0: <laughs> yeah there you go isn't everyone yeah everyone except Liverpool um, Leicester <laughs> uh, I, I thought they were you know they made some good signings in the summer I thought they were going to kick on again this season the ninth on the table at the moment what, what do you put it down to Joel why have they been a bit disappointed in the season so far
1: it's a really weird one isn't it and I, I did a few weeks ago when um, with, with with Brendan Rodgers when he was getting linked for the Man United job whether his head has been turned and I think the reports about him being I mean, Man City being keen on him to replace Guardiola I wonder whether you know his head's been turned by that as well um, I'm not going to say anything about Brendan Rodgers personally he's a lovely stand-up guy who would <laughs> never leave a club in, in the mire but um. I, I just think I don't know I just want know where his motivation might have gone or maybe maybe not even with him, maybe some of the players' motivations might have gone because you know they they really put you know all it in for the last two seasons and mm. for him to slip out of the top floor twice in the way they did when it looked like a shrubbing hairs, I, I do wonder whether it just kind of like must be a bit
0: demoralising, yeah. yeah. That,
1: that's it, can we go again? And you know, it's you know a ten points off top four at the moment with two games in hand, so it's not like it's irretrievable, mm. but you know, they've won the FA Cup and I you do wonder whether, you know, that team or you know and Rodgers, whether they've just gone as far as they possibly can under him and that can be the case. But yeah, it's it's really weird one because for them not to get through the Europa League group stage as well, a group where they should have probably finished second behind Napoli, it's um, yeah, I just I, I just wonder if they're a bit of stagnant at Leicester at the moment. So they just need a bit of a change, whether that be, you know, a new player coming in or a you know a new manager. Mm.
0: Uh, Aston Villa a 10th. I had a feeling, uh, having sold Jack Grealish and, and brought in some pretty good players in the summer, that they might make a, a salt on the top six this season. It hasn't really been the case so far. Obviously, they, they sacked Dean Smith, got Stephen Gerrard in. I mean, that looks like a, re- a very good appointment, doesn't it, Lewis?
2: It's worked out where i so far, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, what was it? Only only the game against Liverpool um, that
0: and they didn't win? And I City, yeah.
2: Yeah, sorry, yeah, he was already in charge for the game against City as well, mm-hmm. that's true. But um, that's what, th- three, four, four wins from six games, which is a hell of a lot better than the way they started the season. They, I think that was, talk of, talk of Leicester and maybe needing a change, I think that was a classic case of needing a change, and somebody knew simply because of Jack Grealish, and I think under yeah. Dean Smith, the whole team had... More and more gradually over over like three or four years had become centred around Grealish and getting Grealish the ball as much as possible and how do we make sure that he can he can thrive and he can find himself in space and that sort of thing and it just needed some maybe a fresh pair of eyes to come in and see you know not see John McGinn as a as a player that can help Jack Grealish and and Ollie Watkins and all of those players. But actually, players that are really, really good in their own right, and obviously, if they've signed Emmy Bondeira in the summer, I think Jacob Ramsey's come in and played really, really well this season, just mm. fresh out of the academy. The signing of Danny Ings looks misplaced. I think a hell of a lot of money on a player that age, and with that injury record as well. Yeah, that injury record, and I don't, I don't. One of Chris, I kind of get like that they wanted to play and they tried to play Ings and Watkins up front together, and that was was the attempt to move away from this Grealish centric football, but it, it it didn't work. And Watkins played really well last season as a as a lone striker. So you're sort of taking something away from his game a little bit by trying to mm. force him into a, a bit of a new role and a new position alongside someone up front. Maybe Gerard can get more out of out of Ings and out of that as a partnership. than than Dean Smith managed to. If he does, then they'll be onto something, definitely. I think they're they're already sort of looking a lot better since he came in. John McGinn is one of the most underrated players in the league Mm. and as long as they have him playing and playing well every week, then Aston Villa will be really, really good. Yeah.
0: I've said it before and I'll say it again, I'm worried about that game between City and Aston Villa on the last game of the season. (laughs) It's just... It seems like it could be Gerrard's revenge at long last for the for the slip. We'll see. so, someone said. There you go. Uh, Crystal Palace, that 11th, they got a new manager of the summer in Patrick Vieira. A lot of people said he was going to be gone after three or four games and you know, do a Frank De Boer. I, I don't think they've done anything particularly spectacular, the, the, the win away at City aside, Joel, but it's been pretty good, I suppose, hasn't it, for, for Vieira? It's been better, better than expected.
1: Yeah, I think if you ask Crystal Palace fans, you know whether they're enjoying themselves more this season than last season or you the know, last couple of seasons, they would definitely say yes. And 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 the, the, the fact is, they probably will end up finishing similar sort of positions than they had they did under Roy Hodgson, especially this year. But. They've got you know, different way about it you know, in the trying to play a bit more, sort of having the ball a bit more and trying to sort of attack them, be a bit more sort of pass, um reactive than sort of passive, let's mm. say. And and I, th- I think that's good to see that they've you know, they have sort of 13 players out of contract in the summer right around around that number and, and then you know, you sort of let a lot of them go in without even trying to renew the deals. And you can see there was a plan in place to sort of get another a little bit of a younger squad and and you know, there's signed you know some players over the past couple of years like Eze and from a QPR and um, Elise from Redden. So you can see they're sort of trying to get this sort of younger team in there, and um, it's it's something to see. I think this year's a bit of a transitional season, and um, you know they might end up finishing fourteenth, fifteenth, but I think you they'll have better memories and better games like the city wants it to cling on to. And I can see them doing that to another team, another big team. To be honest, you know, be a bit concerned about. You know them, them playing Liverpool again this season they could easily beat us, they could easily beat Chelsea, they, they've got that in them and, um, and I, th- I think that's interesting to see It's the one thing they've got to work on at the moment there's it's been a lot of games where they, they've led and they you just know, given I don't know, late goals away or goals in like the 75th minute away and, and, and end up drawing or losing the games and that's just something they've got to kick out but you know, it's fair playing hats off to, to Vieira and, and Palace at the moment, I think they've been good to watch when they've been on and um, and yeah, it's, it's 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 exciting to see if your powers from.
0: Indeed, uh, same goes for Brentford. Really, you got a very early taste of Brentford when they, they beat Arsenal in the first game of the season. Lewis, sorry to remind you about that one again. Um, have you been pretty impressed by their their first season in the Premier League? Would you say?
2: Yeah, I have I think it's had that classic good promotion team thing where they they started so, so strongly just like hit the ground running and then a few weeks later nobody was surprised anymore and they've struggled to pick up results quite as often as they did the first sort of two months of the season. Uh, But I think they're a really good team. I think there are a few really good players there and... I don't think anybody will have uh, an easy game, an easy win against Brentford all season, and that's probably the the highest compliment you can you can pay in the Premier League when you're coming up against Liverpool and Chelsea and City. I mean, they've maybe I'll come to eat those words because they've played Chelsea and City, Mm -hmm. but they've played them both uh, Chelsea and Liverpool. They've played them both at home so far, like they played Arsenal at home. Maybe when they play away against those sides, they'll have a bit of a rougher time of it. But all three of those games, they've been brilliant. They were. really unlucky to lose to Chelsea. They were brilliant and and drew with Liverpool and they were really, really good and beat Arsenal as well. So that's a few really big memorable matches and, and a couple of really big memorable results for them I don't know what more you can ask on your first season in the in the top flight for God knows how long yeah. Um, yeah hats off to them they just hopefully can can pick up a few more points quickly and the fans can enjoy the rest of the season before the, that second album kicks
1: in <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Brighton as well Lewis you've been a, a big advocate of, of Graham, Pot- uh, Graham Potter on the podcast in the past um, with good reason have they kind of kicked on for you this season in the way that you, you, you hoped they might or thought they might?
2: They, they did for about two months yeah. and they've been rubbish since <laughs> since then. They just can't they just can't win a football match. Um like, is it eleven in a row now? I think so yeah. I think without winning it like four or five, six games in you were looking at Brighton as a team that like are going to be fighting for Europe or something this season, and um, they're obviously just a sign of how the league table can. It, it's not worth paying any attention to until November. Basically, yeah. uh, they've they've been really really poor since then. They're quite disappointing, I think. And yeah. again, like you, you know, look at Dean Smith. We talked about Brendan Rogers. You wonder when a manager's done a good job, and it's sort of hitting that third or fourth season. Do, does he need to go somewhere else to to sort of? give passes ideas onto players who haven't heard it all before yeah. and, and do you maybe need new players? I don't know. Um I think it's hard to keep motivating yourself when the message doesn't change because it is the same manager with the same ideas and I wonder if Brighton are going through that a little bit now. But still, a, a club Brighton size, I think to comfortably stay in the Premier League is still an achievement. So mm. it's not like a, a huge disappointment just in contrast to the way they started
0: the season. Yeah. I wonder if someone like Leicester would be a good fit for Potter, like a, a slightly higher calibre of player, mm. uh, not a great deal of pressure to kind of win stuff and, and you know, finish top four and things like that. It somewhere where like his a, ideas like a, like a can natural a little step. Bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Alex has mentioned the England job as a possibility on the podcast as well. And I think that feels like it could be a possibility as well, but I guess we'll Graham see. Graham Potter
2: looks, he looks like the thinking man's Gareth Southgate. <laughs>
0: there you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and your beloved Everton, Joel, they're 14th in the table. I mean, it, it's, it's gone pretty much exactly as we said it would go, hasn't it? It started off pretty well. They sort of started to to get on board with the Benitez a little bit, the Toffees, and then... It's uh, it's fallen apart, you know. The the kerosene has come out as you as you so um, beautifully put it earlier in the season, and you know that the, they want him out as soon as possible now, don't they? It doesn't seem like he's going anywhere anytime soon. What what does the future hold for Everton? Do you think
1: it's it looks glum at the moment, doesn't it? it doesn't look very great uh, great at all. But it was like we said, it was it wasn't highly predictable. It, it wasn't going to take much for for him to turn on 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 the manager and and these players as well because. You know they they hate him from the start and, and and probably within reason. I think it was a very very strange appointments. I can kind of get you know maybe eight years ago hiring him even if he was the ex Liverpool manager, but his his coaching career for the past. You know, seven, eight years is, it's, it's a bit, you know, it's mediocre. It's not exactly what Everton needs, but they're a club that's been lacking in identity for, for, for a long time, to be honest. I mean, spent a lot of more money than, you know, the likes of Bayern Munich and Tottenham over the past, you know, 10 years. And, and if anything, they've got worse. They've not improved. They've not even stayed the same. They've got worse. They have decreased. And to, to defend them a little bit this year, defend Benitez as well. There was a clear plan in their transfers this year. You know, you could see they were signed to Marty Gray and Andros Townsend, and and the idea is we're going to, you're going to put balls in the box, and and Charles and we will put them in. And it's you know, okay. That doesn't necessarily sound the most extravagant plan, or or even the prettiest. But it's it's something that will probably have gotten more wins. They would have got, you know, than last season, let's say. But. And they lose Calvert-Lewin after three games in, and he and he scored in all all those three games as well, and and that's been that's been huge. That's been terrible for mm. them, and I think that's maybe you know you know fair play a okay. B- bit of defence on them that that way. But um, and and they've had other injuries. Jeremy Mina's been out as well. For Charleston's been in and out. He's maybe suffered from the fact he played in Copper America and not quite got his sharpness back from there. Um, but it's, it doesn't look good for them at the moment. I, I think they'll still be alright. I don't think they'll go down because. I do think there are three worst teams in the league, but um, in terms of you know a sort of longer-term plan, Everton do have to think now. Now in the summer, they need to have a plan, they need to put something in, in place for what they actually want to be and what they actually want to do because they've been sort of throwing... You know, piss at a wall for the past 10 <laughs> years. five, six years, let's say, and nothing stuck. Nothing yeah. has stuck, and now and seeing you know the the catastrophe that comes with that, and it's it's horrible to see. I would say it's really horrible I, to
0: see. I thought you would say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get the impression from from the Everton fans that I follow on, on Twitter and stuff that they have a, quite a specific idea of what they want Everton to be, and I think it is quite focused on kind of young players and you know the the game against Chelsea was a great source of pride for them with, yeah. with like Ellis Sims playing and um, yeah, Brathwaite. Brathwaite Anthony yeah. Gordon is that something that Benitez maybe needs to think about tapping into to kind of get the fans on side, would you say?
1: Quite possibly, but that's something he's not really done at any of his clubs he's been at. He's, mm. he's been someone who's been about results now rather than development of players for for a greater cause over the long term. And, and Everton have got a good youth and have had a good youth set up for a long time. And and I think if you know if a new manager does come in or, or Benitez should consider it, they, they should tap into that because there is a, there is a win there. And I think Everton fans would give the you know the young players time and patience to make mistakes as long as they see it's going somewhere personally obviously i'm not inside the and I'm, I'm not a fan and i don't watch the 90 like minutes every single week but for me coming from this play you know been to at Goodison and I hate it. Hate in Good, you know, hate watching my team at Goodison. Hate seeing my team play there because it can be horrible for ninety minutes. And the way they treat Liverpool and, and treat Liverpool fans when they're there is is how they should beat every home game <laughs> because because they get behind their players and and it's 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 horrible. It's horrible to to, to listen because it's always a big result when you go there. But mm. the thing is. The other 18 home games, they're doing that, but against their own players. And it's kind of like, well, what do you expect? Um, that's maybe something that I ever should consider. It's a horrible place to go, and but they've made an easy place for, for most of the teams in the league over the past yeah. couple of years.
0: Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll rattle through the, the bottom the bottom six quickly now then, starting with Southampton. Lewis, I mean, I don't, I don't know what their average position is under Ralph Hasenhutl, but it feels like 15th. It feels like they're just constantly kind of <laughs> stuck in that part of the table. Do you think that's, that's sort of worthy of criticism of him?
2: Yeah. Yes and no. Like I feel like there's no there's been no like big recruitment effort at Southampton over yeah. the past few years. I think he's actually done quite well just to keep them where they are and, and not sort of declining. I did check just now and they did actually finish fifteenth last season. Well. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't know. It just. There's no, there's there's just no path for development. I find it hard to weigh up how much that's his fault and how much it's the club not not providing what's needed for further development. If I was a Southampton fan, I feel like I'd be very very bored of it all by yeah, now. To be exactly, honest, yeah. no, no, offense to any Southampton fans, um, <laughs> who, unless you're nodding along. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know what there is to to look at and cling on to as like as a hope that your club's gonna be a better club in 12 months than they are right now I just don't see it
0: yeah yeah. there's there much hope at Leeds for you Joel at the moment do you think that they're not looking very good under Bielsa at the moment really poor against City last week in that 7-0 defeat then obviously they had a lot of casualties with injury against Arsenal and then lost 4-1 It's it's looking pretty bleak for them isn't it
1: it is. I mean, the one thing they can they can hold on to is that you know Calvin Phillips and Patrick Banford and the like. We you know will be back soon, and you imagine results will will improve then. And I think they, if they once get those players back fit and playing every week, you know I think they've got enough about them to, to stay up. But. You know, right now, talking about them right now, they they don't, they don't look good, and they're not look good all season, to be honest. And um, especially at the back, they just 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 you know, I, I like leads, I like watching Leeds the past two seasons, especially the season they came up and and um, you know last year where you know, they were great to watch and I like their approach and the Elses approach to the game and their style of play. It's, it's entertaining to watch, and okay, they do get battered some weeks, but they can also put three or four past another team on their day. But this year, they, they've not been able to sort of keep the goals out and you know Mellier is a good goalie but there's defence in front of him it's just sort of left him you know been leaking goals haven't he and mm. I think maybe having Lou Galen have to play centre-half um, when, he, when he obviously is, he's there first right back and it's a good one but playing centre-half taking you know one of their best players out of their best position and putting him into a position where he's actually not that great at and that, that's really affected them. and but until the injuries clear up, I, I don't see how
0: it gets better right now, uh, and straight away. Yeah, the, the injury crisis is so bad that it's gone beyond the point of just pure bad luck, hasn't it? You have to sort of start questioning the medical staff, the training methods, something like that. There yeah, must I be something that. behind when you, that.
2: When you yeah. call your style of football murder ball,
0: <laughs> Exactly, yeah. <you're> probably <laughs> asking for it. Uh, as for Watford Lewis, are they, are they weirdly the sort of team in the, in the bottom bottom portion of the table that perhaps have the most cause for optimism at the moment would you say or, or are they doomed as well
2: uh, they've got Emmanuel Dennis yeah. uh, mm. so maybe that's that's it uh, I, I think if Leeds can get and keep players fit then Leeds are, are the ones that I'd still back to sort of get out of it And Bamford and Phillips especially out of, out of the ones that they've been missing recently Watford. I don't know. I feel like Watford are that team. You know, every every year there's there's teams that are too good to go down, mm. and then there's one team that stays up that definitely no that nobody on the planet says they're too good to go down. I feel like that might be Watford. Like, there's not a single person thinking Watford are too good to go down, but they might just get away with it anyway if yeah. somebody else can't pick up <laughs> a few results. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and Claudio Ranieri, who who would be foolish enough to bet against him in
0: the Premier League? Again. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about Burnley, Joel? Is this the year that they, they go down?
1: do you think? I think it might be, I think, you know, it's incredible that they've been... They're too good to go down mate. It's too good to top go top down but he will go down. But I uh, know they've been it's been great for them to stay up for this long, to be honest. Because without being too disrespectful, that their team or their squad is essentially a championship squad and and, and maybe in a mid table one at that. But they've managed to, to find a way of, of staying up and keeping their heads afloat because you know they can be tricky to, to play against and and you know they've had two strikers you know in Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes who who run defenses into the ground and and that that gives, that gives them results. And but this year it's just it's just not worked for them yet. I and mean, they've only won one game um, and they have been unlucky and close in some games, but they just haven't had that quality to to, to win the game. And it has changed because they signed Maxwell Cornet, who I think, has been a, you know, a really good signing for them, but and uh, probably something they've needed for a long time, but they just haven't managed to turn his goals into wins yet either. And mm. at some point, they will go down, uh, whether it be this year or, you know, or next two years. They will go down because you know, that's that's just the way the Premier League just works. Just law of gravity,
0: isn't
1: it? Gravity, <laughs> you sort of a Wigan. You know, it, it's really nice to see a team, you know, a small team, as that stature, being in the Premier League. But at some points, you know, their their places back in the Championship, and you, know, you go back down and and maybe you know build again to come back up. But I think this year might be the one that, that I, I hate saying it actually because they do prove you wrong every year, don't they, Burnley? But and they look like they're going down at Christmas and somehow pull out the bag, but. Mm. I think this one, this is the one.
0: Are <laughs> Newcastle going down, Lewis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, Norwich. Um, yeah, they got gone, they gone, aren't they? Yeah, I, I, I was going to say I'd, the
2: only way that you'd get a quicker, a quicker, more succinct answer out of me is if you asked if Norwich were going down, um, <laughs> which is an, an even bigger and more obvious yes. I
0: think. Yeah, well, that's us. Uh, that's us spreading the Christmas cheer far and wide. Then isn't it? Yeah, from Newcastle to to East Anglia. <laughs> uh, sorry, Delia. Uh, sorry about that. Yes. Uh, yeah, that will sorry, do partridge. us. I think so. Indeed. Yeah. Poor, poor Alan. <laughs> Had it hard enough as it is, uh, yeah. I did say at the start of the show that we have a little announcement to make. So we are uh, reshuffling our ranks somewhat in terms of the podcast in the new year. Uh, Matt Frolick is going to be taking over the Premier League podcast. Uh, I think he's going to rejig the format a little bit as well, which is something to look forward to. Your job now is to stand by our new manager. I'm going to be taking over the European football show, and Lewis, you're going to be taking over the women's football show. So if you're into women's football or you want to get into women's football, that is the place to go. Um, for now we're going to say goodbye for the festive period we will be back in early 2021 thank you to everyone who early 2022 should i say Uh, thank you to everyone who listened to the podcast in 2021 and for all your support we really appreciate it and we hope you'll join us again in the new year thanks to lewis and joel for joining me today and uh, take care everyone have a nice christmas happy new year and catch you next time